Sony. Hello, Canada. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. Today's date is April 10th, 2022. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And it's Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my man? Well, I have not been great. No, you've been been a little under the weather, I hear. I have, yeah. So, Wednesday. So, yeah, just for the listeners, um, my little story here is going to take a take a few minutes, but you're going to be interested in listening. So, on Wednesday, I woke up not not feeling great. Uh, went to work. About halfway through the day, I am not feeling good at all. I've got sore throat, stuffy nose, um, and about one o'clock, I become, uh, my whole body becomes so painful that I can't even walk without pain. I can't bend over I can't um, I can't move without pain like my whole entire body and uh, and I was like crap this 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 has got to be COVID so I uh, packed up went home uh, got I'm on my way home I'm like letting my wife know that when I get there, I'm just heading straight for our bedroom and uh, because I think I have COVID. And so I got in there, I did a rapid test, and sure enough, I had COVID. Wow. And uh, now, for our audience, you were double vaccinated, right? Yeah, double vaxxed. Um, doing, uh, I mean, to be fair, my my vaccines were last. What my second one was last June or something or July? Maybe? No, June. I think June is when I had my second one last year. So, um, at this point, the vaccines are pretty much you know useless, right? Like they have no effect left after like eight months or something. So, um, <clears throat> you have to excuse my voice; it's still not great. Um, so I, uh, I spent that night in a decent amount of pain, uh, because of the, of those full body aches that I, that I was suffering from during the day. I just lying down hurt. Wow. So, yeah. So I spent all night. You know, not being able to sleep because every time I moved, I, I woke up. Um, so, uh, um, so I, by the next morning, the body aches were gone, uh, which was good because that was the worst part. Sore throat was still pretty bad. The stuffiness was was not bad at all. I mean, the stuffiness never really was that bad. Uh, I could actually always breathe through my nose and just have to blow my nose every like probably once an hour kind of thing um the sore throat was i mean 
mean, not horrible. I've experienced much worse with a regular cold or or uh, or anything like that. Uh, you know, I, I've experienced worse. Let's put it that way. Um, the full body aches, though. I gotta say, whew, people can tell you how bad they are, but damn, you are not prepared. <laughs> like it that was rough the full body aches are rough um luckily they didn't last long they only lasted for about 12 hours um but uh but my because i mean as long-term listeners would know that you know I, i'm not a covid is a hoax guy um you know i'm not a um I'm not one of these idiots that that actually believes that, that COVID isn't bad or isn't isn't horrible and and or isn't dangerous or or is is a hoax even. Um, I do know people in my personal life who believe it is a hoax, um, and to them I've always said you're an idiot. Um, my my problem and your problem, Tony, has always been just in how it's been handled and the the. Um, the way that you know governments reacted to COVID was was acting as if this was like thirty percent of the people who got it were going to die, um, and that just isn't the case. Uh, I mean, I went two years and a month in the COVID before I got it, and I have a you know a job where I'm in contact with a lot of people. Um, it just so happened that on the weekend I, I was dealing with a lot of people and uh and that's that's where i got it um but uh so my sister early on and long-term listeners will know this but my sister got it got the original um covid <coughs> and um she got it really bad and she's young and she's healthy and uh but she went 10 days with a fever of 103 or something like that. I can't remember what the temperature was, but um, in Celsius, it was 40 degrees. So she had a 40 degree fever for 10 days um, where on day eight, uh, she had a uh, core temperature drop so sudden and so drastic that her blood pressure uh, dropped just as dramatically and caused her to lose her sight and her uh her hearing and her ability to use her hands and feet um i i you know i've shared this on the show before so long-term listeners will know that that you know i've i've always known covid is dangerous and it's not fun um it's uh you know it's it's uh so i when i got it obviously i'm i i got omicron because the symptoms lined up with omicron and not with delta um my uh my experience has been pretty good i mean the 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 full body aches i like i said are just unbearable um like that luckily it only lasted about 12, maybe 15 hours. Um, but, uh, but boy, those, 
I tell you, I, I just can't talk enough about those body aches. They were crazy. Um, but beyond that, uh, you know, just fatigue and, and sore throat and stuffy nose and, and, um, you know, lost, uh, lost about five or six pounds, but you know, it's, it hasn't been too bad. Um, in fact, today I feel pretty good. Um, in fact, like I feel good enough that, you know, I, I feel like I could, if it wasn't a Sunday, I could go to work. Um, even though I did test this morning, I still came up positive, but, um, which, you know, is five days in a row of positive. So, um, it's a little longer than most people have been having with Omicron. Um, but, um, uh, the line is actually kind of faint today. So I, I'm thinking that, you know, maybe even tonight or, or tomorrow morning, it'll be, it'll be negative, but, uh, yeah, so that's that's been been my story here. Um, uh, the uh, I got to be honest, I mean, because I was feeling so crappy and everything, I wasn't listening or I wasn't. I didn't pay any attention to the the federal budget. So anything you tell me today is going to be news to me, and uh, and so you'll be getting a on the spot reaction from me on it. And um, uh, I do have to say that. In those uh, four days so far, I've been watching a lot of Star Trek Enterprise. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one of the few series that I haven't watched. And um, uh, wow, that is a bad show. <laughs> um, but I can't stop watching. So I got one season to go. I've watched three seasons in four days. And there's 26 episodes in a season, so it's... Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of those obviously played while I was sleeping, um, so I'm, I, there are some I missed, but, but wow, I can't believe that show lasted four seasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, then you're definitely in for a treat because there is some fun on the budget. Um, we'll take care of a couple house cleaning items before we uh, get into the topics for the show today. Now... A listener had po- had commented on an article that we had posted on our Facebook page in regards to Ontario signing on to the national childcare deal, and the, effectively what the, uh, the the commenter was saying was that her, she was concerned that some at home daycares and some private daycares might not want to take part in the ten dollar a day daycare because they don't want to be regulated and that parents being desperate for care will still pay whatever the rate is. And I thought, yeah, I don't actually blame those private operators for not wanting to be regulated because, well, government messes up everything it touches. And we'd had a, another listener to the show who had commented on, you know, to reply to this lady just saying that, you know, effectively what you had said in our last show when we talked about it, Lewis, that, you know, it'll be hard to fill the spaces up when you can't find people to work them. And my, my reply, I tried replying to the lady through our Facebook page and Facebook kept kicking me out every time I started getting into talking about the private sector. So <laughs> I don't know if it's a coincidence, but anyway, ma'am, my reply to you would, would be that what I said already is that I don't blame some of these private operators for not wanting the government sticking their fingers in telling you how much you have to pay your staff and what your 
I think what your your you know child to staff ratio is is fine. That that's just standard regulation. But honestly, the job of government isn't to meddle in the into private business like this, or isn't to meddle into any particular sector of our economy directly. Government's job is simply to set up the environment so that the private sector will be incentivized to get in there and create a market in order to fill demand. That's all government's job is. Set up a good, attractive tax environment and a good, attractive regulatory environment and let the market do what the market does best. And our government doesn't know how to do that. And it's really, really frustrating. Yeah, the... Uh... I saw that discussion on there, and um, and I agree. I mean, government's job isn't to meddle. Uh, it isn't to subsidize. It isn't to do all these things, even though that's what they've made their job. Um, it doesn't mean that that's what they're supposed to be doing. And the more a government gets involved in private industry, the less innovation, the less progress, uh, the less... The, the less bang for the buck is is actually achieved. I mean, you uh, you get far more um, wastage and, and and you get far more problems occurring. And it's always because government gets involved. The government does not know what they're doing. I mean, you can't have a group of people who've never built anything telling you how to build your business. Um, they don't know how to build a business. They've never done it. They've never had to worry about profit. They've never had to worry about, uh, you know, uh, they've never had to worry about expenses and profit and, and, and revenue and all of that kind of stuff because they have an endless supply of money from the, from the taxpayers that no matter how bad, the uh, economy is or how good the economy is that money keeps coming in to the government coffers yes it might go up it might go down but they don't care because if they need more money they just print it and so you can't you can't rely on government to say you know these these early childhood educators are not getting paid enough, so we should be paying them more. Well, okay, what you're doing by doing that is you're creating false um, worth. Because if if they were, if people are worth that much money, people will pay them that much money. Because the customer will be willing to pay that much money. Um, you can't, you can't have government just get involved like this and expect everything to run smoothly because it never does. It never does. No. And I mean, I'm a business owner. I know a lot about how this works and it's, it's not government has no place in business. It really doesn't because these people that work for government, because government isn't some, you know, uh, entity. It's, it's just a group of people and people who have never built businesses are working in the government. And 
trying to tell people who do own businesses how to do it. And, uh, and that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, totally right. So, um, all right. One more housekeeping note. Uh, we mentioned before and keep it coming Canada. Uh, we're really enjoying getting some of uh, these voice messages from you on anchor.fm and, uh, our gentleman in Ontario, whose name starts with M, thank you for kickstarting the whole thing. And he actually had sent us another message, which we'll refer to later in the show. And another fellow who was a, a farmer, obviously a rancher as well, um, <laughs> yeah, clearly left us a message while he was uh, out feeding cattle. And uh, one of his one of his cows actually chimed in to say hello. And you know what, sir? Thank you so much for that. I grew up on an acreage and. Backing our acreage was actually a cattle farmer, cattle rancher, sorry. And so hearing old Bessie say hello on your message just kind of gave me a fond memory from my youth. So uh, thank you for that, sir. And by all means, keep the messages coming. Keep the uh, the Facebook Messenger messages coming. We uh, we love to hear from you guys. Yeah, we do. And, and it's funny because when I first listened to that message and I heard the, the cow chime in, I was like, oh, okay, is this fake? <laughs> but, but no, it became very obvious that it was real. It was, it was, uh, it was actually quite funny. Um, but, uh, but yeah, thank you for the messages. It really means a lot to us. Um, and, uh, and yeah, keep them coming. Absolutely. All right. So on the show today, Canada, we did have a budget last week. Jonathan Vance got a pass. Medical assistance in dying legislation expands its mandate. Pierre Polyev seeks a mandate, and more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's uh, let's start with uh, General Vance and get that out of the way. Yeah, that that's a quick one. Now, um, Jonathan Vance, he was chief of the defense staff. For those of you who don't know the backstory, he was uh, really the figure who kind of kicked off the whole sexual impropriety in the Canadian Armed Forces um, investigations and what really brought it to light. Now, he had, uh, I think they labeled it as an inappropriate 20-year relationship with a subordinate of his, fathered one of her children, and then, uh, well, stepped down and gone through the court proceedings, and he pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice. That was it. And the judge said in his ruling, I really think it would be terrible if you were to get a criminal record. So you'll get no criminal record because you were cooperative and pled guilty to obstruction. How about 80 hours of community service and we'll call it even? Yeah. Wow. I, I, I have a bit of an issue with that one, um, especially when, you know, someone like uh, Admiral Mark Norman just, you know, was, as far as anyone can tell, was 100% innocent. And... Uh, had everything but the kitchen sink thrown at him. Yeah, I mean, Mark Norman really was just being creative, doing his job, and he was raked over the coals for getting a supply ship retrofitted at the wrong shipyard, apparently. Yeah, and and the and the uh, federal government tried to pin all kinds of stuff on him, and then this guy, who's actually guilty of something, you know gets gets off pretty easy yeah yeah definitely not impressed with that now um we'll refer to the the military again in the budget because they actually 
the budget, well, hypothetically addresses the Canadian Forces brass as well. But um, let's move on to Pierre Polyev, because we can probably bat that one down fairly quickly. Now, uh, unfortunately, you're under the weather because he's actually been in the Okanagan all weekend, drawing crowds literally in the hundreds. And this is just a guy running around for a, a leadership campaign. This isn't even an election. Yeah, and I and I've been seeing locally here uh, the numbers higher than that. It's you know a thousand. Oh my gosh! Uh, at some of these gatherings, and uh, he's just pulling in crazy numbers. And yeah, it's it could not have happened at a worse time for me um, because I was all prepared to go to several of these events to uh, you know attempt to get. Um, get him on record on a few things um but uh yeah covid decided to change that for me so um yeah covid you can go to hell um <laughs> but, uh, but yeah i know he's he's doing some good things out here in the okanagan people love him yeah well and he did a rally in lindsay ontario which is not the biggest town and he pulled a thousand people in lindsay and there was uh, another town in ontario that he pulled 1200 and the media, mainstream media, is even taking notice and not criticizing him. They're actually all flabbergasted like I am that he's running around the country pulling these kind of numbers. And the crowds that he's pulling aren't just disgruntled old white men. He's got a lot of millennials behind him because he's talking about housing affordability. And millennials are like, um, yeah, hey, we are that generation that can't buy a house. So um, the support he's getting is absolutely completely unprecedented for for something as simple as a leadership race yeah it's it's kind of um i don't know what the word i would use i mean it's interesting i guess um how everybody thinks that the only people that can be angry or upset with the establishment are old white men um because we've got a whole generation of people that are coming up right now that you know, they can't afford a house. I mean, they can't even afford an apartment. They can't even afford rent. And uh, so, I mean, like, the, the, the generation that... Uh, and this generation that I'm talking about is not millennials. It's not, you know... It's... It's the generation of, you know, that my, my kids belong to. Um... I mean, they're, they're like, my daughter is going to be going to, uh, university in a year and a half and, uh, she's pretty scared that she's not going to have a life and, you know, and I can't blame her at all. Um, because the government that we have, the government the United States has, the, the governments that most of the first world have right now are systematically destroying any chance that this, that this generation coming up has. Yep, absolutely right. Although there are some budget measure, measures to address these problems, and I will make fun of those when we talk about the budget. Let me guess, it's going to involve more money. What? It's like you're psychic. I can't believe it. Wow. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Pierre Polyev is definitely a conduit, if nothing else, for 
a lot of this frustration. And you're right, it's Gen Z, it's millennials, it's, uh, I mean, and it's even some of the people, I guess the older millennials would be, would probably be the cap of it. But you're right, there's a lot of people out there who can't afford the good life and half of Canadians are almost broke. And when they hear Pierre Polyev talk about things like unleashing the private sector, paychecks and, and you know, and jobs and grow the economy and all these things that actually make sense, what do you know? People are listening. Yeah, my, my only concern, and it's not a big one because I've, I've been listening to Pierre Pauly. I've been a Pauly fan for years, um, and I know you have too. Um, we've been fans of Pauly before most Canadians had ever heard of him. Um, and uh, so the concern... Not a concern. I guess my hope, my hope would be that, yes, he knows what the problems are. But my hope is that he also knows what the what the solutions are, because as as you've seen with other politicians, they can they can tell you what the problems are, but they don't have any solutions. And and so Polyev needs to be able to back up his uh his his you know so he he needs to be able to back up all his complaining with solutions and i don't doubt that he'll be able to i just think that he needs to be able to show people in a timely manner that he has solutions because um because you don't want him to uh, just get this reputation as being a uh, a good sound bite, and that's it. Um, because uh, he's he's really he's got to come up with some substance to to really show Canadians that he he does know how to fix these problems. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and uh, I mean he's got momentum, so we'll certainly see how he uh, how he makes it through makes it through the final stretch, and I'm. Uh... I'm optimistic for him. I'm actually feeling pretty, uh, pretty confident for him. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I, I, uh, I hope he, uh, I hope he, he does things in the right order and in the right time frames, you know, so that he doesn't lose momentum and, and all of that kind of stuff. I, uh, I really like him. I hope that he, uh, I hope that he prevails in this leadership campaign and I hope he's our next prime minister. Absolutely. So then maybe he can do something about the medical assistance in dying legislation, or MAID. Now, this was passed recently, within the last few years at any rate. And initially, I, I believe that it was passed for people who have terminal cancer or chronic diseases where they've got a lot of pain and want to end their suffering. I believe, I believe it was originally passed for terminal diseases. Is that what it was? Okay, yeah, so I, th- I thought yeah. it was something to that, to that effect. But, yeah. but government, of course, because governments in Canada always need to overreach, now they've decided that mental illness should also be included in made legislation. And not just any mental illness, but such mental illnesses as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, oh, you're going to love this, Canada, depression, and anorexia as reasons to have a doctor help you end your life. 
Yeah, and any doctor that refuses is going to be some, you know, right-wing extremist who hates personal freedoms or something like that, you know? Well, they can lose uh, their license. Yeah, they'll, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, they'll be likened to a, an abortion, uh, to, to a doctor who refuses to do abortions. Um, I, uh, I've got a big problem with this. I mean, I'm, I'm a supporter of MAID. Um, I am a supporter of medically assisted, um, deaths. Uh, I, I've never understood how anybody can possibly think that forcing people to suffer right through to the very end and do everything medically possible to keep that person alive while they are in extreme pain or discomfort is humane. I have no idea how anybody has ever decided that that was humane. Um, we do the more humane thing with dogs and we put them down. Um, when, when they, uh, like I recently had to do, um, my dog had cancer and it was terminal. There was nothing we could do. And she was in pain, losing weight and was not having a great life. And so we had to help her end that suffering. And with humans, we feel the opposite is humane is to force them to stay alive during all that pain and suffering and so when they brought made into into effect in canada i was supportive of it um the thing is is that as with everything that gets passed in in canada and in other countries like anything that gets put into law um anytime someone warns you of a slippery slope you should always take notice. You should always um, see that the slippery slope is real. Um, you, so when you, when you bring in new laws, you have to be very, very careful because um, now we're going to allow a doctor to help you die because you have an eating disorder. Yeah, that one really blew me away. Um, I, I, I I have known people who have been anorexic and have gotten over it and are absolutely fine now without having a doctor counsel them on how to die. And I just think that when I when I first said mental illness, I thought, okay, well, you know, like chronic dementia, Alzheimer's, absolutely, because there's no quality of life mentally anyway. So that I could actually get behind. But if you're going to help somebody end their life because of depression, can you imagine how many people we would have helped to die during COVID? Do you know how many people with depression want to die? Oh, yeah. It's a lot. Like, the number of... Okay, the people who try to commit suicide or who do commit suicide, they're all depressed. And it's, this isn't like, this isn't something to be taken lightly. And that, that's a good way to put it. They, 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 it does seem like they're taking it lightly. Oh, you're depressed? Okay, here's an injection. Bipolar? Huh, here's an injection for you. I mean, uh, what callous SOB ever thought to include these parameters into this legislation? Yeah, 
I mean, it's not like people who have anorexia want to die. They no, they they have an eating disorder. They have they have this like um, what is it called body dysmorph dysmorphia? I think is what it is, right? Where they, um, it's not like not like being trans, but it's like the uh, where where they they think they're fat when they're not. Right. Yeah. Um, they have this real distorted view of what they look like and when they look in the mirror and they see bones sticking out and stuff like that they still think they're fat um anorexia is is not because that person wants to die they're not trying to starve themselves to death they don't want to die i've known i i I know people who have had eating disorders they don't want to die no, exactly. So I don't, uh, I don't know why the government. Well, here, here's our theme for the day: the government gets involved, they screw up everything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is. Oh God, this one really bothers me. I mean, this is this is this some like sick way of trying to curb global warming? <laughs> yeah. Who knows what the rationale is behind it, but... Um, I mean, you laugh, but is it... But could it be? Well, you never know, because they always talk about too many people on the planet. So. That, that's that's becoming a very strong narrative right now, is that we have too many people on the planet. That That's becoming a very strong narrative right now. Yeah. Oh, it is, yeah. So, so is this some sick way of trying to achieve less people well, because, because I'm starting to think that everything revolves around climate change right now it just seems like everything revolves around it well I mean, they, 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 they're trying to say that you know lockdowns for climate change I mean we warned of that two years ago when they first did the lockdowns that that was going to be the next thing right I mean we did we said that on the air on this show we said it multiple times that there were politicians in England talking about it at that time that they should start using lockdowns to fight climate change well guess what they're talking about now oh yeah yeah it's, uh, oh, it's so scary I wouldn't put it past them that, they're, that they'll start expanding all this to include all kinds of things. Like, hey, guess what? There's no criteria anymore. If you just want to die, you can die. Well, no, I wouldn't put it past them, that's for sure. So, All right, let's wrap the show up on the budget. We've got uh, about 10 to 15 minutes to go here. So, Lewis, you get to be surprised by all of the fun in the budget. So now, um, the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I can't even open it with a straight face. The oh, Christian Freeland, uh, the Liberal Party finance minister, had the gall to refer to the $52.8 billion deficit in this year's budget as a prudent budget. <laughs> uh, if laughing didn't make me start coughing, I'd be laughing really hard right now. Yeah, so... Um, I'm laughing inside. Good. Well, good. I'm glad that glad that you're laughing inside. Our so we, our prudent budget, and there was hopes that there would be some more military spending in this this you know this very prudent and responsible budget. 
Yeah. So there was a goal to try. Anytime, anytime liberals say that they're going to spend more on military, I have to laugh because it's it's just a, it's a joke. Oh, it is a joke, and you're gonna love it because well, here's their idea of spending more on the military now. Parliamentary Budget Officer Yves Giroux had said that if Canada wanted to meet its 2% of GDP NATO commitment on military spending, military spending would have to be increased about $25 billion per year. Well, Christopher Freeland said, tell you what, I'll give you $8 billion over the next five years. I thought, well, that's not quite where we were talking about. And in this $8 billion... There is $500 million, which is specifically for Ukrainians' war effort against Russia, so to, to buy weapons and military equipment for Ukraine. So it's not even Canada's defense, it's just Canada's defense budget, $500 million for Ukraine. Isn't that, isn't that foreign... Um, foreign aid, maybe? Foreign aid? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that that's, like... I love how they they set aside half a billion dollars to buy Ukrainians uh, guns and bombs, but they don't even buy guns for Canadian soldiers. Oh, exactly, yeah. And uh, and what do we say in this show? But there's more. So, in addition to the five hundred million dollars that is being set aside for Ukraine's war effort, eight hundred and seventy-five million dollars of that. $8 billion. Hope you're doing the math, by the way, Canada. $875 million is going to be for cybersecurity, which I didn't think would be a military budget, but what do I know? I'm just some dude from the prairies. And then an additional $400 million is going to be earmarked to, quote, improve the upper, uh, upper management of the Canadian Armed Forces to clean up well, I guess people like General Vance. So now you've got $1.75 million, or $1.65 million, billion dollars, sorry, of that $8 billion over six years. That's not even going really to any kind of military hardware, any kind of recruiting, training, paying soldiers better. So really it's about $6 billion over five years which will buy the Canadian Armed Forces, well, squat. Yeah, so, because I read somewhere that there was already $12 billion not, that was already earmarked for the military that hasn't even been spent. So They gave it back, yep. Yeah, so where, this is this just money from that? Like, Possibly, yeah. I mean, it, 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 this is, this is another liberal joke. I mean, I thought we were supposed to be buying F-35s. Like, is this is that not part of the budget? It will be, but that's part, that's a procurement budget, and we don't actually take delivery of our first F-35 till 2026. And, oh, fantastic. Uh, as, as, as a side note, when Stephen Harper first made a deal to buy the F-35s, we would have taken delivery of our first one in 2016. Ten years difference now yeah. to buy the same planes. Yeah, at a much, much inflated cost. Oh, yes. And yeah. uh, also in the budget, and um, this is where actually I'll, I'll give a shout out to our listener, M. He'd uh, sent us a, a message and he'd, he'd drawn a square in southern Ontario, southwestern Ontario, 
a huge swath of southern southern western Ontario and pointed out that you can't even buy a tar paper shack in this huge area of Ontario for less than 400 grand. And so, of course, the government has your back. The government of Canada has decided that there's no, I don't know what the criteria is, but for people who are having a hard time affording housing, they're just going to cut you a $500 check. Because that's going to get you three days worth of rent in Vancouver or Toronto, maybe. Wow. 500 bucks for those people who are having a hard time with housing. Well, hey, there's some months I have a hard time because maybe I want to go out and go partying or something. I mean, I don't I don't understand if there's going to be a criteria if it's means tested because obviously somebody who lives in Vancouver and makes 80 grand a year might actually have a hard time affording a place to live. Whereas somebody who makes 80 grand a year and lives in, you know, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan might have a pretty easy time paying rent. So I don't really know how they're going to figure out who to send the $500 checks to. Wow. Wow. 500 bucks. Yeah. Can't well, wait. You know, I, and I do want to say to M, um, I'm, I'm not sure if he's okay with us using his, his name on the air or not, but, um, I do want to say to him is, is, uh, you should try finding something for 500,000 in the Okanagan. Like you, if you think it's bad there, you should try it out here. Go on to realtor.ca and see if you can, if you can find anything here in the Okanagan for that. Cause I'll tell you right now, all you're going to get are apartments and and like an empty city lot for less than 400,000. That's all you're going to find here. Wow. Like you're lucky if you can, you know, like in, in that uh, area that he was talking about in Southern Ontario, if you can find a teardown for under 400 grand, that's, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty good compared to here. Like oh, you can't even, you can't even get teardowns for under 400 here. Wow. So, um, of course, the government is going to continue to have your back. Um, another budget item they've decided to uh, thrust upon Canadians is they're going to help out first-time home buyers to... It's kind of like developing sort of a hybrid between an RRSP and a TFSA. So they can put in up to 9000 a year, and or I think they, actually 8000 a year, for you know a down payment on a home and it's it's tax deductible and when they take it out it's tax free but of course being government yes it's capped at eight thousand a year and if they fall short one year they can't make up for it the next year like a tfsa and it's capped at ninety thousand dollars and then we ask ourselves aren't 53 percent of us living paycheck to paycheck so i'm not sure who's going to be saving this money it's going to be kids living at home. That'd be the only ones who would be able to put in money away. You're right. Like it's, uh, yeah. it's, like it, it, it's nice that they're providing this, this savings vehicle for people to be able to do that. But guess what? Nobody's going to take advantage of it. Not unless they're like 30 years old and living at home, um, with their parents. I mean, and not having to pay rent. Like it's, and any parent worth their salt would not be letting their 30-year-old stay at home without paying rent. So, um, you know, because you're not doing your kid any favors by doing that. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know who's going to take advantage of this, honestly. I don't, um, I don't know, uh, I don't know why they couldn't just, you know, change the TFSA rules so we don't have a third savings vehicle. I mean, this. There's so many different programs out there. We don't need so many different programs. That's right. They're layering on the layering on the bureaucracy, layer upon layer. So. Yeah, this is it's stupid. It's crazy, and and you know, I mean, it, all it does is cost us money. It yep. just costs us more and more and more money. I mean, it's come on. There's a better way to do this. Huh? Yes, and they've come up with one more, Lewis. <laughs> uh, you're going to like this one too. Now, the government heard you. The government of Canada has decided in this budget that they are putting on the, the, the screws to those foreign homeowners who are buying homes in Canada and not living in them. So not only will there now be the, uh, I think they've already had that uh, foreign ownership tax, correct? Yeah. Okay. Well, on top of that now, there's actually going to be a two-year moratorium on foreign nationals buying homes in Canada, except <laughs> uh, except those who are buying, quote, recreational properties or, 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 or refugees and people who've been authorized to come to Canada you know, under emergency travel while fleeing international crises. Oh, oh, oh and international students uh, who are on the path to permanent residencies will, will also, you know, uh, be exempted. Oh, oh, and oh, and and foreign individuals who are, uh, you know, currently residing in Canada and working here, all of those foreign nationals can still buy homes, but just not those other foreign nationals, whoever they are. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just stunned. I, I... <laughs> so they they've basically banned like the smallest possible percentage of people who qualify to build, buy a home in Canada from buying a home. If you admit so, to the Canadian government that you are a uh, Chinese drug lord and that you want to buy a home in Vancouver to launder money, then they will tell you you can't buy a home. I think that's uh, the only way that you're not going to be able to buy a home in Canada. Wow. So, that's it. I mean, like I said, it's the smallest possible percentage of people that they could ban. Oh, absolutely, right? yeah. But, I mean, I don't agree with banning people from, like, I don't believe in banning foreigners from buying homes here because, I mean, Canadians can buy homes in other countries too, right? It's like, um, it's, the problem is not who's buying the homes. I mean, we have tried, in BC, we have had these foreign buyers taxes for years now where, like, the foreign the foreign buyers get slapped with these humongous tax bills every year because they don't live in their houses here. And uh, it has done absolutely nothing, has done nothing to stop people from buying homes. It has done absolutely nothing for... Uh, bringing the prices down. In fact, prices have risen faster since those taxes were brought in than uh, than before. Um, uh, it's not because of those taxes that the prices have gone up, but I'm just saying it hasn't. It has done nothing to slow them down. Um, this is not. 
It's typical of a government. This is another reason not to let governments get involved in things because they don't know what they're doing. And they're doing things that don't do anything. And so here's the, the, the problem in Canada with housing costs is lack of supply. That's it. Lack of supply. Yep. And full stop. That's it. Just, and that's just one thing. Lack of supply. The problem is, is that we have, we have, uh, cities that take months to approve a building permit. We have building codes that, like I said, because government gets involved, the building codes are so over the top. I mean, I've built I built two houses under two different building codes, and the, the second house I built was under the new building code, and just the building code, the changes in the building code alone added $50,000 to the cost of the house. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, so, I, I mean, this this is what government, this is what allowing government involvement does. It makes everything more expensive. It makes everything more inefficient. And it makes matters worse every single time. There is nothing government does well except waste money. I'm glad you said that. Because, uh, oh, and I have to correct myself, by the way. I think I said $400 million to strengthen leadership in the Canadian Armed Forces. It's $100 million over six years, so I, uh, my bad on that one. But speaking of government wasting money and not knowing what the hell they're doing, on the climate change file in the budget, and I think this will, will wrap on this point. Now, they've talked about the targeting of having zero emission vehicles, you know, 100% zero emission vehicle sales by 2035, and the targets of at least 20% of new light-duty vehicle sales must be zero-emission vehicle by 2026. And then they commit, and I'm going to read right from the budget document here, the budget also commits $3.8 billion to launch Canada's first strategy to develop exploitation of critical minerals used in everything from planes or from phones to airplanes. So if they're going to be committing $3.8 billion to extract minerals, that means mining. Um, There are no zero emission mining machinery that I know of anyway. No, they're all diesel powered. Right. So um, you want to lower emissions. You want to get these smoke belching diesel engines out of your economy. So let's go and throw $3.8 billion into the mining sector. I'm, 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 hey, I'm, I'm actually all for that, but it just seems this government doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. No. And I mean, like, they all, they're doing everything they can to shut down the oil sands. They're doing everything they can to stop pipelines from being built. And yet they go and approve a deep water offshore drilling rig for Newfoundland. No, the Bay du Nord, and it was, and it was, you know, approved quickly. Very quickly. And, uh, so I'm just, I'm very, very confused. Although, let me rephrase that. I'm not confused at all. Um, this is an East versus West thing. This has nothing to do with oil. 
This has nothing to do with climate change. This has everything to do with East versus West. Yeah, that's true, because with uh, Bay du Nord, I mean, there's also an LNG project there. So, um, yeah, Eastern Canada, which has no tanker ban, by the way, will be able to ship oil from Newfoundland to points east, as well as LNG. So Canada, I guess, will be able to help Europe with some of their energy needs. But with all the resources in Western Canada... Yeah, you can try and get them on a train or send them to the States at a steep discount or um, basically we'll th thumb our nose at the West. Yeah. What else could it be? No, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So, all right, Canada, we're going to wrap it up there because we're uh, well, right on, right on time as far as I'm concerned. So... Um, Thank you for joining us, and yes, uh, if you haven't listened to my interview with Danielle Smith from last Tuesday, April 5th, um, please download it, especially for those of you who live in Alberta or have friends or family in Alberta. She has a lot of good things to say and a lot of really good things to say about autonomy that really uh, make me happy because that's a subject that I've been, been supporting for 25 years already, so... Uh, by all means, tune into that interview if you haven't already, and definitely share it with your friends and family in Alberta. Yeah, that was something that I wanted to to bring up on the show before we before we uh, signed off too, and and uh, and I and I wanted to just you know compliment you on that interview. It was very very good. Well, thank you. Um, I, I found what she said very interesting and very informative. Um, it's really nice to hear that she knows she made a massive mistake by crossing the floor. Um, and uh, um, and I think that you know it, it's it's refreshing to see a politician who also knows that she has amends to make with her with the people in her constituency, and uh, and, and is hoping that you know that they'll give her another chance, and uh, she's willing to work hard to earn that chance. So um, uh, you know I I. Uh, I, I actually, after listening to the show, um, I I hope her constituents give her another chance. Yeah, well, she was certainly very passionate uh, about some of the ideas she has. And yeah, I mean, I believe her when she says she's learned a lot and she's, uh, you know, ready for that second chance. So, yep, come on, Alberta. Let's uh, see what you can do for this young lady. Sounds good. All right. Um, so until next time, Canada, it's Lewis out here in BC. And it's Tony in Saskatchewan. Good night. Good night, Canada. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony.